You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that thou art. Would you join me for a... Ooh, look at that. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious Jesus, Almighty God and King, we are privileged to gather, to be gathered by you into one people, to receive the riches of your word and your holy sacrament. Lord, we do not know how to relate to a king as Americans, but we ask you by your word to fortify us now. Teach us. Grant us humble hearts that we may learn, and courage that we may follow, and trust what you have taught. We ask it in your precious name. Amen. Amen. So we really don't know how to relate to kings as Americans. Um, when I was a kid, we used to watch uh, Saturday morning cartoons. I know you can watch cartoons all the time now, thanks to Cartoon Network, but um, we used to watch Saturday morning cartoons, and they used to have um, the um, Schoolhouse Rock. Anybody remember those? We listened to them, and the one, one of the America Rocks ones no, was No More Kings. That was about the American Revolution. We don't know how to relate to a king. As Americans, we think of the president as first among equals. There's nothing better about him or her. He's just there. And he happens to have that position. Depending on your politics and who's in office at the moment, you may think him a great deal less equal than yourself. But he's protected by money and tradition and bureaucracy, so you do what you have to do. But you don't think of them as something higher than yourself. And this separates presidents from kings throughout history. If you've ever read ancient literature, whether of the Jewish variety or the Christian variety or, or Sumerian or any other type, Chinese, you'll discover that when one king is conquered by another, the conquered king has horrible things done to them. Because the king embodies the fate of the nation. And the humiliation of a conquered king is symbolic of the humiliation of the entire peoples. They are now subject to a new ruler. As goes the king, so goes the kingdom. And this is why, those Game of Thrones fans out there, this is why when, a new king, when one king dies and a new one takes their place, or a queen dies and another one takes their place, it's... The king is dead, long live the king, because you want the nation to survive, even though the individual potentate has now passed on. This understanding is critical, and it's, it's, it's deep and powerfully emotional if you know anybody who still lives in a place like the United Kingdom. You saw this at the death of Elizabeth, even though they've got a parliamentary monarchy. 
still emotionally powerful for people. You have to understand that to understand this parable well. See, what happens to the king happens to all his people. And in the kingdom of God, it works in reverse as well. As goes the kingdom, so goes the king. Jesus is saying that what happens to the least of the people in his kingdom is as much as if it's being done to him. This actually, Jesus is not doing something terribly unique here. There's an ancient Jewish concept called shalia, which means that whatever you do to the emissary of the king, you do to the king himself. Now this is not unique to Jews. There were different words for it in different cultures, of course. But in the ancient world... What you did to an emissary of the king was symbolic of what you would do to the king himself if the king was present. If you've seen the movie 300 or if you've seen the movie Gladiator. Gladiator begins, they're in Germania. And the Roman Empire is trying to conquer Germania. And they've sent over an emissary with terms of truce to end the war. The Germans send him back without a head tied to a horse. I was actually going to show that clip, but I thought maybe not for Sunday morning. What they were saying was, if your king was here, this is what we would do to him. And Jesus is lifting up for us in this parable that we need to look at everyone around us, especially the most needy, as emissaries of the king and recognize that what we do to them, we do to him. If we really want to be part of his kingdom, to behave as a citizen of his kingdom, we must look on the neediest and remember what they are. Even the neediest of all sorts, any human being, is made in the image of God. This, from the very first chapter of Genesis, foundational to the Jewish and later Christian understanding of what it means to be human. Foundation, foundational to our modern sense of human rights. Which is why... Certain countries still won't sign the Universal Declaration of Human Rights because they recognize its history as being Jewish. In addition to that, those who are suffering persecution for righteousness' sake, and here we have to remember all the way back to when Jesus was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, even, they are even more so stand-ins for the King Himself. And of course, those who are seeking to spread God's kingdom, who've given away the security of hearth and home, a steady, comfortable income to go and perhaps serve people who hate them, all for the sake of the king, they are most like Christ himself. Whom, as we're told in Philippians 2, did not consider equality with God something to be held on to, but instead emptied himself and took the form of a servant. So when we see the neediest among us, we are to treat them as though the king himself has come to visit and care for them as we would the most honored of guests in our lives. Now, The judgment part of this parable should not be glossed over. We, in our, frankly, narcissism, tend to focus on that first. We're 
we're worried about getting judged first and foremost, and that's appropriate. This may surprise you. Non-Christians are not gathering to reflect on the words of Jesus this morning. So it's appropriate that we as God's people think about the judgment here. But equally we should focus on the fact that there is not one of us who will not be or has not been needy at some point in our lives. Every one of us will be the person in this parable who is in need and who is a stand-in for Christ and who others may need to serve at some point. At the very least, you were needy when you were a child. You may struggle to never be needy in your adulthood, but you were needy as a child. I guarantee it. Mom and dad lost sleep over you, changing your diaper and feeding you and doing anything you wanted when you went, But most of us are needy at some other point in our lives too. Most of us have the bottom drop out or end up in a situation we never planned for and relying upon the mercy of others. Before we think it too harsh that Christ should separate the sheep from the goats in the way he does, think about how you would feel if someone didn't save your child because it was inconvenient to them and they let your child die. Or someone wouldn't hide the family of Anne Frank because after all, Hitler's government was duly elected and I wouldn't want to hurt my business opportunities. Or someone slamming the door shut on their safe house, their safe room recently in Gaza as they watched their neighbor's daughter running toward them, being chased by an angry mob, but they were scared they might not have enough food in the safe room for all of them to wait it out, so they closed and locked the door rather than let the young woman in. What if that were you? or a loved one. The neediness of humanity is its universal attribute. And all of us will have both the opportunity to be the needy one and the one who provides for the needs of others. When I was in seminary, uh, Dr. Nelson, who I only had for one year because he moved on to a bigger school, um, Great scholar, amazing scholar. Um, he, we were gathering in the coffee shop, which we often did after class to try and figure out what we had just supposedly learned in class. And um, we were talking at the end, it was the end of a semester, and we say, we've been asked the question at the end of our Gospels class, what's your favorite Gospel? I and only two of my classmates chose John. Most people chose Luke. It's got a nice social justice uh, emphasis. But... Um, we asked Dr. Nelson as he came in to get some coffee. We said, Dr. Nelson, what was your favorite gospel? He says, huh, I don't know, but I can tell you what my least favorite is. Matthew. Why? Because Matthew's always letting me know what I have to do. <laughs> I never feel as needy. I never feel as dependent on God's grace as when I read Matthew. So Why? Why would one want to serve so demanding a king when there are, frankly, lots of kings on offer? There are lots of other gods. There are even non-gods pretending to be gods. Randy Feltface said, quoting St. Augustine, that's a comedian from Australia, some of the younger folk may know him, uh, but he was quoting St. Augustine, he said, everyone has a religion. 
Why choose this God if he's going to be so demanding of you when a lot of other gods, they're just, they're just willing to give you whatever you want. Or at least I say that up front. Because there is no other God. No other God who instead of sending an emissary to be beheaded on his behalf, comes himself to take the place of his own people. When they were scheduled for execution by their own, by their own sin. And remember that that fire, that eternal fire, was not made for humanity. As Jesus just said, it was made for the devil and his angels. But we might choose to join them if we wish. When that was our destiny, this king came and took our place. So that we might, we might learn how to live a life that is truly living. That we might learn to have the character of our king. The gift of eternal life is just that, a gift. It can't be earned. But when it has been given, we can learn to live as people who are worthy of it. People who, like our King, are willing to, at great cost to ourselves, serve the needs of others. Knowing that when we do so, we serve our King Himself. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious Lord, it is so hard for us to even give up the simple comforts we enjoy. That each of us has so much more than our grandparents or our great-grandparents had. So we have much we could give. Lord, we ask that you would bless us with a generous heart. As we have heard the good news of who you are, the heartbeat of love that is at the center of all creation. Lord, teach us to live that way. To be generous with all we have, knowing that the time may or perhaps already has come when we are the needy ones and in need. Grant us to look into the faces of all around us and see your face and serve others in love for the sake of of glorifying you who are the true king over all kings. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the Keep your sleeping, thy presence, my light.